Hello, and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week, we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. And this week, we've got an extra special guest in store for you. But first, Dana, tell us what we're covering in this episode. Today, we're talking about the internet with our extra special guest, astrologer Kira Taborn, aka Astrology, and she'll be with us to talk about all about the greatness and the low points of the greatest social experiment, the internet, um, since its creation. Woo! Well, welcome, Kira. We're so excited to have you on. Um, But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe through your big three, um, or just anything else you you want to mention about yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me on, guys. (laughs) We're Um, excited to be here. Um, (laughs) So about myself, I am Kira. (laughs) I'm an astrologer. Um, I like to say I'm an astrologer, educator, author, creative. That's the other one I like to say. Hell yeah. <laughs> and um, my big three. Okay, so I say SMR. Um, hashtag SMR, make it a thing. Sun, moon, yeah. rising. Um, so my, I'm a Scorpio sun, Aries moon, and a Pisces rising. Um, and I'm very Martian. I have a sun, Mars conjunction. Scorpio and then plus the Aries moon so I yeah I do a lot I do a lot of things um and yeah I I am obsessed with astrology and I do a lot of things within astrology um I do readings and then I write um which I don't like to actually say because I actually hate writing but I am writing a book so I guess I I can't (laughs) I can't get away from it um and I have a community called the 11th House, um, which is a part of the astrology school, which is launching in a week. Um, so I have the 11th House, which is like my membership community. And we meet up a couple of times a month and just like nerd out over astrology, basically. Um, amongst other things, there's a whole forum and there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things in the 11th House. Um, and then I'm also launching my first course, um, the Astrology Fundamentals course and yeah i'll just be teaching a lot this year um i'm also the director of fresh voices in astrology which is a platform for up and coming like emerging astrologers um we host webinars and an annual um free uh what is it called not a conference but a summit (laughs) a free free summit every year what else yeah i live in la um I'm chilling. I smoke weed and hang out. <laughs> like, what else do I do? I hang out in my hammock a lot. Um, okay. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, there's a lot of awesome things to check out about Kira and astrology, and we will make sure to link everything out for you guys um, and remind you at the end of the episode as well. But we're really excited to talk to you today, um, to talk with you today about the internet. Currently, the internet has 3.4 billion users. And also of a very important note, it's starting its Saturn return. So um, if you don't know about that, we'll definitely get into it. But before we get into the major events in history of the internet and how it shaped society, let's learn a little bit about how it came to be. So the idea for the internet has been in the ether since the 1900s when Nicholas Tesla, like that motherfucker, his name (laughs) is everywhere now, but he talked about something he called a world wireless system. But the beginning of the internet as we know it began in the 90s with the first worldwide web address. So what is the chart for this 
game-changing event. Okay, this was August 6, 1991 uh, at 2.56 p.m. in Geneva, Switzerland, apparently. And the sun was in Leo. It was a Gemini moon and a Scorpio rising with a Virgo midheaven. Um, so this is what I kind of call the Instagram sun, the Twitter moon, and the Silk Road rising. Um, <laughs> Dude, Silk Road forever. That website <laughs> I'm obsessed with. <laughs> the dark web? <laughs> yeah, I'm interested by it. <laughs> That's what's going on the dark web. Um, I like to listen to podcasts about it. Um, so Mercury was, uh, in Virgo rules the moon and the midheaven, and it's stationed retrograde the following day, conjunct Venus, which was also retrograde. And so Mars is the chart ruler, and it was in Virgo. And so these like retrograde planets are pretty loud, and they're... Uh, it's not a day I would start anything for sure, especially communications related. Um, and so... Like, it's just, Mercury's related to communication and words, and Venus is about money and how we compel others to, like, you know, look at us and get attention. So, it's kind of a an interesting chart. And then we have Virgo on the 11th, which is a social house, which relates to, like, friends, organizations, and um, Congress. And it tells, like, how comfortable people are speaking formally or in, like, formally established groups. And so, also... <laughs> Uranus, uh, Neptune, and the South Node in Capricorn um, are in the third house. And the third house is our immediate environment or any place you frequently visit, like a neighborhood. But it also includes, like, the websites you go to every day. It's interesting that the internet is now, like, our, in terms of, like, everyday existence. Like, I couldn't think of a day where I wouldn't use the internet. So the third house, what sort of makes all the Uranus, Neptune, and South Node in Capricorn in the third sort of, like, stand out in terms of, like, this chart? I mean, I feel like the whole chart is just like so loud, <laughs> so loudly like the internet. Um, it's kind of remarkable. The, the third house stuff, I think, yeah, it's that's a really cool um, association just with like the places that we visit on a daily or, or regular basis and the internet, like certainly becoming one of those. I was just thinking about how like I like throughout my day, I'm just like checking Twitter and like hopping on Clubhouse, hopping into like Clubhouse rooms and like hanging out with my friends for like a couple hours. It is such a third house, a third house activity. And, you know, about the Mercury station um, and then like the, just the whole Virgo 11th house stellium. It's just so, I, I just like can't get over it, honestly. <laughs> um, just like, well, and then you also can't forget to mention Pluto on the ascendant, like Pluto True. rising, like exactly on the east, um, because it is something that changed everything forever. There's before the internet and after, there should be like, you know, there's AD, BC yeah. and AD. It should be like BI. <laughs> <laughs> or bw squared bw squared or something or to the third um yeah whatever but an a ai yeah. or something i feel like i could make a like real-time mercury retrograde edit i said that the south node was in capricorn it was the north node gotcha um, so uh, real-time edit i love it um but yeah the mercury stationing i think is like on the midheaven to conjunct an already retrograde venus it makes a lot of sense like a, a stationing planet is is super loud it's sort of like holding down a piano note you know it's like it's just like 
digging its feet in because it's like in the middle of pivoting. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's like this web of communication. And then the Leo 10th house too with Jupiter and the sun is like also very loud. (laughs) (laughs) The internet's a loud thing. It's such a part of our everyday life. Like we can go, we can go a whole day without visiting any physical places, but we would never go a whole day without visiting like a website. But also I feel like having the North Node in the third house, I like struggle sometimes to concretely like kind of express with what I think the North the nodes mean, but I feel like this one's like pulling kind of the world. Like the third house is like your immediate environment and suddenly it's like kind of like globalized your immediate environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also having an eighth node moon and in Gemini, it's like the internet is super divisive, but it's also like oversharing a lot of them. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it's funny how the moon's void too. That's another weird thing about this chart. What does that mean? Like when a moon is void, it's it's not applying to an aspect with another planet until it enters the next sign. Um, oh, and so yeah, it's sort of just drifting and not really like. Its energy isn't like focused on anything in particular towards anything in particular. So I don't know. I just think that's interesting because the Internet is so like never ending and vast. And the moon voice is sort of like it's literally like entering the void, like going on to the Internet. It's like literally nonstop talking. Like to me, a lot of the Internet big three or like SMR, like you say, is like almost very foreshadowing of social media it's like like look at me and like i will talk myself to death about like nothing but also i'm like intense like i will be very intense about like what i talk about but also at the same time like secretive like hiding my identity like i feel like it's an easy thing to like Mm. apply to social media these days yeah yeah like of course the internet has a moon in gemini (laughs) yeah (laughs) But yeah, so to recap the the internet's big three or SMR, as Kara would say, we've got uh, a Leo sun that wants to be seen and validated by an audience, check. The Gemini moon shows a lot of conversation, bouncing ideas around, just classic uh, Gemini moon situation here. And then the Scorpio rising, it wants to main, maintain control of their image. And, you know, what do people like use the internet for these days is to like create and maintain an image for themselves. So there's definitely a lot of interaction between the individual and the collective, as well as like a compulsiveness around the internet. And there's a lot of indications that there'll be changes or updates made to the internet in the future, which I think we're all feeling right now. So Sarah's going to take it back to an obstacle the internet faced back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, so right after the internet was made, it had to deal with something called Y2K, which I feel like all of us were alive when this happened. I didn't understand what was happening, but like I remember it in the news. So Y2K stands for year two kilo, a.k.a. the year 2000. Yeah, like nerd shit, like the year 2000. (laughs) And Y2K was a massive panic that centered around what would happen when computers, hardware around the world switched from the year 1999 to the year 2000. Yeah, it was a really big deal, um, but it was also known as the Millennium Bug, even though it technically wasn't even a bug at all, but a design decision made by computer programmers just to simply save space. So the calendar years on computers were two digits. So if the year was 99, it, or if the year was 1999, it would read 99 instead of 1999. So there was a fear that when the new year came and the 1999 changed to 2000, the computers would read everything as 00 um, as 1900. So that they thought everything would go berserk, the computers would fail, bank records would be deleted, 
infrastructure would go down and the world would descend into chaos. But obviously, yeah. we're still here. <laughs> Honestly, though, I don't know what your parents were like, but looking back on this, I realized like my parents like did not give a fuck. Oh, like, my, my dad we... did. My dad really fully. <laughs> yeah, we had we had like a lot of beans in our basement for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, he's a paranoid Scorpio. Honestly, though, I feel like it's better to be prepared. Like, looking back on this when I was researching, I was like, what would have happened? Like, my parents were having a New Year's party. It was like, oh, we only have so much whiskey. Like, I was a child at the time. But, like, that, that ha- does not help me. <laughs> my mom oh my bought me, like, Y2K body glitter from, like, Limited 2 or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it was, like, merchant. That was, like, the first time I can remember, like, things, like, like an event being merchandised out like that. I remember oh I had a Y2K shirt. It was, like said Y2K on it in like neon different colors with glitter yeah it was one of my favorite shirts I was so into it <laughs> wow I wish you still had that should have worn it today <laughs> it was like not fit I was like nine <laughs> not even I was yeah I had like just turned turned eight <laughs> I was literally eight years old. So the world media did a great job, of course, of freaking people out. And everyone started to panic. They started buying and stocking up on all, you know, whatever, like little, like Kira's dad, like stocking up on beans and shit. And this is where we start to see a lot of prepper culture. Even fringe Christian groups and cults started to really lay it on thick that this would be the end of the world. But in retrospect, this isn't that surprising Because at this time, only about 50% of American households had computers. So it was still this thing that people were kind of familiar with, but at the same time, didn't know that much about. Yeah, and many governments around the world took the millennium bug very seriously. And even here in the U.S., both private and public sectors poured hundreds of billions of dollars into updating their computer programs, which like, LOL. And when the clock struck midnight on January 1st, 2000, There were a few minor glitches, but everything transitioned smoothly and the world escaped a complete descent into chaos. Hashtag blessed. So what was happening in the skies around this time? Okay, so the chart for Y2K, which is January 1st, 2000. Um, We have Mars, Uranus, Neptune, and the South Node all in Aquarius, which is a pretty motley crew. Mars is impulsive action and assertive energy. Uranus is the pursuit of freedom. It's stimulation. It brings about shocking or sudden events. It's often an agent of chaos, but it could also be breakthroughs. The South Node is an eclipse point, and it shows uh, by house and sign like certain beliefs or traditions that could be being phased out of society, or where people might be acting like extra rash or clinging to the past in a certain established way of life. Um, Neptune is like beer goggles or a fog machine, or it's deception, it obscures, it idealizes, and creates like a tinge of anxiety related to the energy uh, of the sign and house it occupies. Um, and then in Aquarius, this energy manifests around issues or concerns related to the collective and society, technology, conversations about the future, um, and then also like looking to the past, and then freedom and progress. Um, and so Aquarius is ruled by Saturn, so then we have to check Saturn, and that, uh, Saturn was in Taurus. And so the primary agenda for a planet in Taurus is achieving security, freedom, and comfortable or being comfortable. And Saturn is like limits, restriction, tradition, commitment, and fear. And this is like generally an uncomfortable placement, I think, because Taurus is ruled by Venus, um, which is money and indulgence. And so Saturn here is operating from like a scarcity mindset and it can feel deprived of like basic material security. And then there's a Saturn Uranus square, which exacted on May 15th, 2000. That's um, an aspect of like moral uh, or techno panic. And we know because we're experiencing it. <laughs> um, 
And so Saturn or squares create tension and demand action. Both planets relate to fear, but Uranus and Aquarius wears like a tinfoil hat everywhere, hoping like someone will ask about it. And Saturn in Taurus like hides 40 grand under the mattress and stays inside to avoid tinfoil hat people. And so it's like the fear of like new technology and like market instability. Wow. Yeah, I realized this is my dad's um, Saturn return, his second oh Saturn return. Oh, my God. Return. Really? Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. He, has, he was born during Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in Taurus. Whoa. Um, which was at 11 degrees. So he's, yeah, this was, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, no wonder he was scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, wow. This is so wild to, like, see the chart of this moment because I remember this moment. Does anyone, do you guys remember it? Yeah, I did. I put like something in a time capsule in my aunt's house. Yeah, I feel like time capsules were really big that year. Oh my gosh, yeah. I did one in school for sure. I definitely did one in school. Um, I remember, do you guys remember the show My Cousin Skeeter? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm pretty sure that debuted at like midnight. I'm pretty sure. If it wasn't at midnight, it was like... Maybe a couple hours before, because it was for kids. But I I remember it being like the clock strike stroke midnight and like whatever celebration they were having on on Nickel was it Nickelodeon I yeah. think yeah, yeah. Um, Nickelodeon show Disney was that, like that corny. show like Gan like the first episode it premiered. Now I'm like on a, a Wikipedia to see, but that's how I remember it. Like I was watching. I was so excited to like see this show, Cousin Skeeter. Anyone that's Gen Z has no idea what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, <laughs> they had to go to bed at like eight a.m. There was no programming like, for them. We were like partying. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them were not born, or they were like literal children, like toddlers. <laughs> the reason Billie Eilish is so dark is because she had to go to bed so early. <laughs> I, I guess what's really like standing out to me about this chart um is the the neptune south node conjunction like that just feels really like it hits to me when it comes to like this fear that can that kind of like washed over um the world right um and then mars there too and the uranus yeah it, it feels very much like a fear of technology a fear of the future a fear of like i don't i, I don't want to say it's a fear of progress but kind of it's like a fear of like the means to to get to progress which makes a lot of sense because i feel like the the vibe of like like leaving the 90s and entering the 2000s there was just like a lot of fear about leaving i don't know just dana always says like the 90s were just like so pure but like not really but everyone's like what saw them it's Mm -hmm. yeah it was a weird vibe and then in the 2000s it was just like everything changed pretty drastically and um so quickly also a scorpio moon opposite saturn is kind of the same it's like super fixed fears Mm-hmm. yeah the t-square even with like saturn uranus and the moon and then like square in the nodes too it is very yeah it's very like fearful and um but also like groundbreaking so we entered the new millennium with a bunch of planets in aquarius which is the sign of technology free thinkers and conspiracy theorists and all this energy is in conflict with saturn in taurus which leads to fears of financial insecurity which we definitely um will see and yeah so this brings us to the next big event in the internet history timeline which is the dot-com bubble 
Yeah. So during the time most computer engineers and programmers were tweaking over Y2K, Silicon Valley and Wall Street were busy jerking for internet companies. So all these investors were pouring money into any company that had like a dot com in their name. And the only problem with them doing this was that many of these companies didn't really do anything or make actual money. So God yeah. bless. <laughs> you know? What? Yeah. It just I don't know. I mean, it started to become clear that throwing money at all of these dot-com companies just, like, wasn't doing anything. So investors just kind of, like, cold turkeys stopped giving them money. And since the companies were basically just, like, living off of that investment cash, they all started going bankrupt. And Wall Street investors started selling all of their dot-com shares. And this, like, all the selling off led to the NASDAQ, which... Is a stock market index that tells everyone how well the stock market is doing to drop 77%, which led to like the losses of billions of dollars. And this is like what, when people talk about like the dot com bust, this is what they're talking about. So when it drops 77% in a day, like obviously things are not going well. Yeah, I don't know anything about the stock market, but 77% seems pretty scary, but that just goes back to all of those like financial like fears that Kira was talking about and but yeah so it was pretty much a bloodbath and some of the only companies to survive the dot-com bust were our current corporate overlord Amazon plus eBay and Priceline super random um so what was going on during this time that made everyone uh that was foaming at the mouth for dot-com companies suddenly have the need to like sell off all their shares okay so the bust was on March 10th and there was a new moon in Pisces on March 6th uh, which is what I'm reading for. That's four days before the crash. Um, in mundane astrology, the new moon closest to the spring equinox is like when the sun, which is when the sun enters Aries, is pretty significant and can color the year ahead. Pisces is highly creative, psychic, dissociative, and it's like the ether. Jupiter rules Pisces, which is why Pisces energy is at once like deniably, undeniably powerful and half asleep. Um, and Pisces is on the America's fourth house, which re- relates to endings. So... The new moon had a Sagittarius rising in a Virgo midheaven, and Sagittarius um, is also ruled by Jupiter. And so this underscores the impact of Jupiter and Taurus. Um, Virgo is also ruled by Mercury, which was like retrograde in Pisces. The midheaven is the point of culmination, and it indicates the result or destiny of a person or event. So although we all know by now that Mercury retrograde isn't like the end of the world, um, when the ruler is retrograde, it can indicate some type of malfunction that will need to be revisited. Uh, in like on like a longer and separate timeline, and since Jupiter rules the new moon and the ascendant, uh, it's a good indicator of what will be. And so Jupiter joined Saturn in Sagittarius after Y2K. So again, Jupiter is expansion, grandiosity, generosity, and like luck in proportion to the willingness to take risks or gambling. Um, and Taurus is a sign of like finance bros because it's ruled by Venus, uh, the planet of money. So it's also oh like- yeah, <laughs> love finance bros. <laughs> In theory, not in real life. Like, in real life, I hate them, but I like the theory of them. In theory. (laughs) Vetus joined Jupiter, Neptune, um, and Uranus on the south node in Aquarius. So, like, add, like, the money and, like, to all that chaotic energy we covered in the Y2K chart. Um, The new moon has a multi-planet square by Aquarius and Taurus, uh, which is, like, the tightest square um, between Jupiter and Neptune. Um, and so Jupiter can also again be like blind optimism and Neptune is deception. Um, so basically like the other shoe is dropped. <laughs> they probably wish that Y2K had come true because they just weren't even really like seeing, I think their, 
like the future correctly like they're thinking like that like a computer is going to be the problem when like human assessment is the problem and so something i'm like super curious about um kira's ideas on is like how we're kind of experiencing this with like the flip signs not to the magnitude exactly but just the squares are you talking about um the uranus saturn yes yeah yeah i mean just one thing i have to say about this chart before i talk about that um jupiter square the nodes like exactly at the bendings um and it's jupiter and taurus square the nodes at the bendings um yeah that just feels (laughs) that just makes me think like the like how the bust basically like a planet at the bendings like squaring the nodes like that you can kind of think of it as like the nodes as sort of this energetic almost like spiraling like never ending like path or line and then a planet at the bending sort of like pulling like bending it literally like pulling it um and sort of like warping it too and so jupiter and taurus like kind of inching towards saturn and taurus which was going to be another yeah the last great conjunction um that we had (laughs) um and yeah all that happening like squaring the nodes these eclipse points um feels like a bust like you know like (laughs) a financial bust um and then neptune being there too squaring jupiter yeah, and it's it's interesting that here we are again with Saturn, you're in a square <laughs> in Taurus and in, in Aquarius, um, but in opposite signs. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, this time around, we get Saturn in domicile. So Saturn has the upper hand because it's not only in domicile, um, but it is in a superior pos- position. Um there, which kind of means like it rises earlier than like Aquarius will rise on the east earlier than Taurus will just because of the zodiacal order. So it's in a superior position now, Saturn is in Aquarius to Uranus and Taurus. Um, and so it's kind of like we see very similar patterns emerge with the scarcity, which is very much happening, like in the face of this, well, it's happening in general because of capitalism, but then on top of (laughs) the face of this pandemic um, and the lack of aid and, you know, help received by people um, from, yeah, from our government, at least here in the US. Um, And then like food shortages, um, just like shortages and resources in general. Like we look at what's happening right now in Texas and in other states in the South. So that's like Uranus, which is Uranus and Taurus, like does often correlate with unusual weather events because Taurus is um, associated with the earth, right? It's like literal, like fixed earth sign. So it's the most having to do with like the matter, our earthly matter. And then, yeah, Uranus coming in being like, let's fuck this up, basically. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Uranus and Taurus with that. And then Saturn and Aquarius is like, you know, trying to think, trying to be a forward thinker and and think of ideas to help, you know, advance society. But having to constantly bump bump up against Uranus and Taurus, these like external events. Luckily, again, Saturn in Aquarius has the upper hand, sort of. So it has, it has more resources. It's in its own sign. 
Um, and so it feels like the powers that be, which can be represented by Saturn and Aquarius, is probably a little bit more on top of it this time around than before, where um, you know Saturn's in a an inferior position um, to Uranus and was also like at the bendings and sort of like not didn't have as much resources because it's it's not in its own sign. So yeah, it's interesting how we get this. The re- the replica- replication that's not a word the replica- <laughs> replication <laughs> this, like this um this this square like happening again um in different signs while um yeah like and then it's like a, twenty years later I guess this happens every twenty I don't know does it happen every twenty years I'm not too sure about the the Saturn Uranus square um uh cycle but it's funny how it's happening you know, again, now with the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Mercury retrograde in Pisces, like, like ruling the midheaven in this chart. Um, it's Mercury retrograde and, like, you know, in the sign of its fall. So, like, the worst sign it can be in in terms of <laughs> dignity. I mean, that's not saying if anyone has Mercury in Pisces, like, it's bad. It's just in Mercury's point of view it would not want to be in pisces because <laughs> yeah. it's an environment that it's not really suited for mm. um and then it's retrograde and it's like combust i mean or it's sorry it's not combust but it's pretty close to the sun so it's like invisible at that and just kind of has no strength um it's really having yeah. a rough go of it yeah. <laughs> america has a long history of like mercury retrograde charts um, what's that what does america has like oh. signing the declaration and it was mercury retrograde mm. um pretty much every big chart i pulled up i'm like oh yeah there it is again <laughs> uh, i mean our election yeah mercury <laughs> yeah. station retrograde this last year oh my god um i actually I'm think- still triggered by that <laughs> i have to double check i think that urine i'm not sure of like the exact years before the cycle but i feel like uranus and saturn might have squared like around 2007 as well which was around the that financial crisis but you know there were just a lot of transits that signaled a shift toward you know a shift towards financial stability and security and not sort of like throwing your money around you know just to like fake companies and so you know the fear um sort of like shifted into people wanting to make sort of more secure decisions and you know, while there were a lot of sad Silicon Valley tech bros that day, uh, it didn't last for long because good old Dead Eyes, Mark Zuckerberg, was there waiting in good the wings old Dead Eyes. <laughs> to steal an idea for the social media platform that would come to dictate and influence many of our lives as we know it. Yes, it's your aunt's favorite platform that did actually seem cool at one time. Facebook. But we'll get to that next episode, where we'll also discuss the iPhone and everyone's favorite generation to shit on, millennials, aka us. (laughs) Right. Plus, we'll hear from (laughs) Kira and Dana about predictions for how the rest of the internet Saturn return might play out. So, Kira, thank you so much for joining us on this episode, and we can't wait to chat more with you in part two, launching next week. But in the meantime, can you let everyone know where they can find you on the World Wide Web? Where can you find me? Theastrology.com, at Theastrology on Instagram and Clubhouse, at Theastrology underscore on Twitter. The Astrology Show. (laughs) You can um, find us on on anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then, yeah, I'm launching um, my course March 1st. I think the course window is open until March 10th. 
And then that's also going to be when the 11th house doors open back up as well. So if you want to join um, membership community or t- t- take a three month long course with me, which I'm really, really stoked about, um, check those out too. And then, yeah, Fresh Voices in Astrology, we host um, webinars twice a month and then our annual summit in September. And yeah, we, we always have some cool webinars. They're all like $25. Um, and you get to keep it forever and gets to help support emerging astrologers. So yeah. Yes, we seriously love what you're doing with Fresh Voices. It's awesome. And definitely make sure to listen to the astrology show. It's so good. It's so informative. And we can't wait to leave you some glowing reviews. And we hope that our listeners will too. And speaking of reviews, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Yeah, reviews definitely help us out. And if you leave us one on Apple Podcasts and DM us or email us at allegedlyastrology at gmail.com, a screenshot of your review will make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. And do not forget, because I swear I will find out where you live, to find us and follow us at Allegedly Astrology on Instagram and Reddit and at Allegedly Astro on Twitter. I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology.